Homeward is committed to partnering with parents and equipping you with the resources you need to raise your kids to become responsible adults. And Steadfast Companies, a leading real estate investment company, is proud to partner with Homeward to bring you the following podcast presentation. One of the primary needs you talked about was to help your kids understand obedience. Mm-hmm. I have a sentimental weakness for my children, and I spoil them, as you can see. They talk when they should listen. What? Oh, good grief. I'm Jim Burns. Well, our kids are growing up in a culture that often tells them they're entitled to have every good thing they want. Well, of course, here in the real world, we know this simply is not true. But the question for parents is, how do we discipline with consistency and at the same time show our kids lots of grace, love, and mercy? Well, this principle is at the heart of raising positive kids in a negative world. And during the next half hour, I'll continue my discussion on this theme with my friend, pastor, and author, Chip Ingram. So if your kids seem to be having a hard time playing by the rules of life, today's homework program is for you. Stay with us. Welcome to Homeward. I'm Jim Burns. Chip Ingram with us today. What a privilege to have him with us. We're continuing a conversation on raising positive kids in a negative world. Chip has written a great book called Effective Parenting in a Defective World, How to Raise Kids Who Stand Out from the Crowd, and that's what we want. He's the author of many popular books, including Good to Great in God's Eyes. He has a daily radio program called Living on the Edge. You've probably heard him. He's really one of my favorite speakers and many people's favorite communicators. He's the CEO, president of Walk Through the Bible Ministry lives in the Atlanta area with his wife, four adult children, and six grandchildren. Welcome back to our program. Great to be with you, Jim. Thanks. I appreciate you because as a leader in the church, you're not just a person who's giving us principles, but you're kind of sharing out of your own life. And life can be messy. And yet you're a pastor, and people may one time say, well, of course, he can be a good parent because he's a pastor, and you know he always reads the Bible, and he teaches the Bible. But in many ways, what you're saying is that some people who are pastors or whatnot, they have the same problems that anybody else has. Everybody has the same problems. I mean, engineer, pastor, executive, plumber, uh, we live in a world that's fallen, and the challenges will look a little bit different. But uh, I, I don't, you know, I've pastored for now 25 years, and so far all my parenting issues have been different than anybody else's, <laughs> right. and I've yet to meet that person that has it all together and is right. the smart, holy person that we all think right. someone is. So. Well, you know, Kathy and I have these conversations sometimes where it'll be kind of the pillow talk conversation saying, do other people have the same issues? And, and I'm more of the line that said, yeah, you know, everybody's messed up. Throw out everybody's struggles on the street, and you'll probably pick your own struggles. Right. But the fact is, is that everybody struggles. Why? Because we're human. We're sinners. One of the things that I really appreciate about your book was you gave some keys to helping parents develop you know, a child's potential, and that's mm-hmm. one of the main things. I just want to do that for my kids. You were talking about understanding some of their primary needs, and one of the primary needs you talked about was to help your kids understand obedience. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, it's interesting when you study Scripture that for children, there's only one command. I mean, there's only one thing that they're supposed to learn. And obviously, I'm responsible to help them. I'm the teacher. They're the student on that one. And God says, I want them to obey. And it's a little, you know, you get in trouble sometimes by taking words apart, but a compound word. But, you know, the, the word to obey literally means, there, I think it's hoopo, under, and akuo. We get our acoustic, acoustic guitar. And that our kids need to be under the hearing of our word. And I kind of um, think about, you know, if they can't obey a dad and a mom or a single parent that they can see, 
how in the world someday, some way, are they going to obey a God that they cannot see? And I just thought, oh, yeah, that's really important. And I, uh, if I have time for just a really quick story, sure, this, I mean, jolted my world. When my boys were about five and a half, Teresa and I were taking a walk. Uh, they're cute little twins with this little blonde hair. And Eric was had all the energy, and he kept running ahead. And, you know, I was one of those parents who said, Eric, 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 you know, and, of course, he would smile. And he knew when I was screaming, now I really kind of mean it. But I had not taught him. Eric, when I say stop or whatever, he just, you know, I was not really committed to obedience. And uh, he ran ahead. And if you can just picture in your mind, uh, there's a driveway and there's a car coming that my five-year-old can't see. And there's hedges that are about three and a half feet high. And I'm watching the car come. I'm watching my son walk out. And I say, Eric, stop. And he laughs at me and runs. And he runs across and the car doesn't see him. And I mean, it's a... I mean, with an eyelash of losing his life. And it was like God spoke to me and said, that's not his fault, that's yours. Teach him when you say stop, you mean it. And then reward him when he does and provide consequences when he doesn't. Because he, he's going to have to learn to say stop when some friends say this. He's going to have to learn to say stop over some areas of sexual purity. He's going to have, you know, and you know what, Dad? You are not doing it. And I mean that moment. I begin with all my kids to say in a quiet, calm. Now, I get their attention when they were small. I get eye contact. And, you know, you're over at the friend's house. You know how we do it. We tell our kids, okay, pick up your toys and da-da-da-da. And they don't know. We don't really mean it. And, okay, pick up your toys. And they look and nod. And they go, they don't mean it because we're still talking. All right, right now, pick up your toys. And they look at each other calmly and go, I think it's time to go. I, uh, I decided that I would walk over, get their attention, look them in the eye and say, son, we're going to leave right now, and right now, I want you to pick this stuff up. Do you understand? And if they responded correctly, boy, I praised them. And if they didn't, I provided immediate consequences. Yeah. And um, the Bible says that that's our job as parents. When you're talking about obedience, and I want to talk to you in a minute about discipline as well, when we do that, it actually, I think, helps them grow in their faith and stand out among the crowd, which is what part of the topic of your book is. Because in reality, if they will learn to be obedient to you, then they're also going to learn to be obedient to God. Absolutely. You know, you're kind of God with flesh on it to them at the beginning. Now, when we think about the issue of obedience, we have to think about discipline as well. Discipline is the area where most of us as parents struggle. We want to be consistent, but we also want them to like us. Right. So what's your suggestion in terms of too permissive, not permissive enough, too rigid? I mean, it's a tough role. How do you help the person who's trying to discipline their kids? Well, one is I think you need to figure out what your current parenting style is. If you don't know where you're at, it's going to be hard to improve. And I think even by way of obedience, we need to remember that obedience isn't simply external conformity to the really big person can make the little person do what you say. Obedience is an attitude of I'm going to do what's right. Uh, and I'm going to do it with a good attitude. I may not want to do it, but I'm, but I'm going to do it. And uh, there was a study done by Reuben Hill. If people can imagine sort of four quadrants, X and Y axis. And it, it measured, you know, uh, high levels of love versus low levels of love. Very strong, high discipline, sort of Nazi kamikaze. You will obey right now right. versus passivity. I don't give a rip what you do. Right. And what they found as you div- divide those is if you have low love, and if you have low discipline, you have kids that absolutely rebel. 
they feel neglected. And the highest, best, this is secular study, is high love, lots of attention, but high discipline produced kids with a strong self-image, kids that uh, had a good, it was called a fellowshipping style with their parents. And so most of us end up with, we're either too disciplined with not enough love, or we're too loving with not enough discipline. Hopefully people listening are not bad in both. And often you marry someone who's just the opposite, which is uh, great for lots of good marital conflict. Right, exactly. But uh, my point is, I think you got to look at and say, you know, do I tend to be too permissive or do I tend to be too rigid? And then say, okay, in Ephesians 6, 4, I need to have a balance of good, clear boundaries and high levels of affirmation. And then from small years up through other years, how am I going to discipline on certain things? When you think about it, Jim, I mean, how many ways are there to disobey? Right? I mean, there's school, there's chores, disrespectful, lying. Stealing. Yeah. I mean, there's only six or seven, eight things they do wrong over and over right. and over, right? right. Just like we did. Yeah. So you, you think through, not just for every child, but for the way my child's wired up. I mean, I had one kid, I could look at him, I could look at their twins, so I had a self-study. Right. I had one twin I could look at sternly, and he would come in tears, Dad, I'm so sorry. I, man, I know, you know, and I had the other one that, now, proverbial, I mean, I could take a two-by-six, whack him across <laughs> the head, splinter, right. And he'd look at me and go, is that all you got? So how you discipline those two kids is a little different. But the commitment to make sure they both get what they need is the key. Boy, that's good insight from Chip Ingram here on the Homeward Broadcast to conversation with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. This is part two of a two-part discussion on the theme of raising positive kids in a negative world. And we hope you'll stay with us through the break. You'll hear the conclusion of this conversation coming up. From the studios at the Homeward Center for Youth and Family on the campus of Azusa Pacific University, welcome to Homeward with parenting and family expert Dr. Jim Burns. I'm Roger Marsh. A couple of years ago, APU became one of only three higher education institutions in the country to own original fragments of the Dead Sea Scrolls, the oldest known text of the Hebrew Bible, dating back to roughly 250 B.C. This was an acquisition of five fragments, along with a number of rare biblical artifacts, and it really does reinforce APU's commitment to the scriptures and opens up numerous scholarship and research opportunities for faculty and students. Ben and I had a chance to tour the campus, and uh, Dr. Jim Burns uh, giving a presentation up there, too. It was really remarkable to see. If you'd like to learn more about Azusa Pacific, just that one aspect of the school with the Dead Sea Scrolls, visit our online resource center if you're not there already at homeward.com. Hit the link to APU and you can learn more. I'm Jim Burns with today's Homeward Snapshot. Man, I love this SUV. It is beautiful, Bill. Mm -hmm. So glad you enjoy it. Well, there's a certain sense of pride driving to work, you know, cruising through the neighborhood. Oh, you know, that reminds me, look up ahead in the Thompson's driveway. Isn't that... The exact same SUV I just got? (laughs) Don't these people have an original thought in their heads? Actually, it looks like they got the XLT Ultra model. Oh, well, that's just great. All I need is Bob Thompson rubbing this one in my face. Oh, well. As parents, too often we feel the pressure to be the best and to have the best. And many times it's just so we can feel a little better about ourselves. However, the Bible makes it clear that God is more concerned with what's in your heart than your attempts to be perfect. For a free copy of my tip sheet called 7 Tips for Helping Your Kids Discover Their Strengths and Weaknesses, go to Homeward.com. I'm Jim Burns. 
Welcome back. I'm Jim Burns. Chip Ingram with us. Continuing conversation, raising positive kids in a negative world. You know his voice. You know his message in many ways. He is the president CEO of Walk Through the Bible Ministries. He's written several great books daily on the radio. You can hear him on Living on the Edge. And I've often said this, and I've said this not just when he's here, how much I appreciate <laughs> his great message and really, I think, one of America's premier communicators. Lives in the Atlanta area with his wife, Teresa, four adult children and six grandchildren. We uh, have been talking through this process, and I'm so motivated to want to help my kids and help the kids of the parents who are listening today to be these kind of people who stand out from the crowd. And yet we're talking about a lot of basic parenting things. Yep. And a lot of people, you were talking in a previous conversation that you came from, you know, your father was an alcoholic, your wife's family had alcoholism in it. So in many ways, we have to learn how to be the types of parents that really we want our kids to have one day, but we have to be what I often call the transitional generation. Yeah. And it's not easier for the transitional generation to learn this, is it? Well, it's so difficult. I remember when I was in seminary and I figured you can have to write this really long paper, you know, your thesis, and I didn't want to write one, and I thought it better do it something I'm motivated on, and I thought to myself, what do I know least about? And so I wrote my thesis on uh, the role and responsibility of the father in transmitting values in the family. And I didn't do it for anybody except me, yeah. and I just realized I just needed to study the scripture to find out what does a dad look like, and how do you do this? And of course, read a lot of other books along the way in that process, and realized all the book knowledge in the world, there's just still times where you don't have a clue. And right. maybe for some moms and dads listening to us realizing, you know what, God God, God is a resource and wants to help. And there are times where you just say, Lord, I, I don't know what to do. And uh, you sit quietly and uh, he'll bring great resources, maybe a program like this that really helps them. Well, you know what, I find that, that parents today have many more resources than a previous generation. I mean, they have great books, they have resources. The church is doing a better job, mm -hmm. I think. I don't think the church, I think the church can still do a little bit better job. A phrase from my Promise Keepers days where, uh, and we use it at Homeward now, that the purpose of Homeward is to mentor parents. Parents mentor their children and the legacy of faith continues to the next generation. I think we have to see that as our purpose. Mm -hmm. And many times we need a plan of purpose, but I'm saying to parents today, Read parenting books, go to seminars. Uh, if the church is holding something, you know, go to it and learn because it's a process of learning. Yep. And it's kind of sometimes, as Chuck Swindoll used to say, it's three steps forward and a step back. Now, when it comes to the issue of parenting, you identified what you call five smooth stones um, our kids need to use as kind of a battlefield for mm -hmm. the modern culture. And right. I, I think that's so appropriate. And the first one was learn to suffer well. That, I actually underlined that and I went, no, learn to suffer well. What do you mean by that? Well, it's a fallen world. Uh, your kids are going to be treated unfairly. Uh, they're going to get a raw deal in school. They're going to get a raw deal on a, a relationship. They're going to get a raw deal in athletics. And uh, it's interesting to me that in the book of Genesis, you know, we have all these beginnings, really quite a long period of time covered. And yet 13 of the 50 chapters are on one man, Joseph. And really, it's on the sovereignty of God and how he suffered unjustly, and yet the hand of the Lord was upon him. And the results of the future of Israel center around someone who learned to suffer well. And I just thought, I remember when my, uh, my son lost his best friend, 25-year-old, amazing musician, died of cancer. And we were sitting around his bed, singing songs with guitars. Uh, he died the next day in the early afternoon. We knew he was so weak, so thin. And he turned to me and said, Dad, how does God let something like that happen? Mm. And I didn't have a cliche. I didn't have, oh, this is the way it is. What I could say is, son, um, 
life is hard and this planet is not how God intended. Sin is really serious stuff and it's impacted the environment, it's impacted us and things like this happen and I don't understand them all. Here's what we know for sure. God's really in control. He loves your buddy John. I do not know why he took him so early. And we walk through that process together, but I think somehow we, we, we unconsciously are sending this message. If you love God, if you read your Bible, if you pray, if you go on a missions trip, if you're a good little boy, a good parent, you know, then somehow all of the wonderful good things in life are going to happen to you and the bad things aren't. And you know what? That's, a lot of bad things happened to Jesus. He was perfect. A lot of bad things happened to Paul, and who had much more impact? I mean, if you were a close follower of Jesus, good chances you were martyred. Right. Uh, you know, so we're going to suffer. I think one of the things we want to prepare our kids is teach them yeah. to suffer well. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it's right. As parents, we don't. We want to fix everything, and yet sometimes we have to help them walk through it. I underlined a sentence in your book where you said your kids are going to hurt sometimes, and your job is to teach them to hurt in a way that's redemptive. Yeah. How do you help them find redemption in the midst of that? Well, I think it's to say uh, this is reality, and then to say, you know what, you're going to suffer and you're going to hurt. Your boyfriend just broke up with you. The coach's son, who everyone knows isn't very good, took your spot on the team. Um, you did a deal, and uh, you're a young adult, and what you can't figure out is, you mean that guy actually lied, and he got your commission? <laughs> and so, so you're going to suffer. Are you just going to waste it, yeah. or are you going to use it? Yeah, you're preparing them for the real world when they're younger, because and, that is the real world, yeah. that things like that is going to happen. And so you say to them, okay, here's how, here's how it would be redemptive. Yeah. God... What do you want to do in me? I can't control that. I can control my response. What do you want to do in me where I get to experience you and become more and more the man or the woman you want me to be? And uh, my, my theory is we're going to suffer. Just don't waste it. You know, I, I kind of have this uh, phrase that I was thinking about of our whole conversation because we were talking about discipline. We we're also talking about suffering. And, you know, I think sometimes we have to walk alongside our kids when they are suffering. Mm -hmm. But sometimes when it comes to discipline, we have to stand in front of them and say, stop. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's different jobs and we have to be adaptive to that and understand what they're going through. I think that's a, an interesting statement because I was all thinking about stopping our kids in terms of discipline and consequences. Then all of a sudden you say, wait, they're going to suffer. And I, I shouldn't interrupt that. Yeah. I need to allow that. And yet there's pain in my life. If I see my kids suffering, if you know, I have three daughters, so if you know the boy broke up or if you know something like that is going on, then I'm devastated mm -hmm. by it too. I'm thinking, you know, wait, I need to help her learn to walk through that. And I think one thing we can do is is help help them gain a self-awareness, yeah. is, is begin to ask some questions, even around the supper table or when you get with them and you take a walk or whatever you do, you know, what what's bothering you right now? How are you feeling about that? Where they begin to recognize but we all have those internal things, little sufferings, and where we're on the same page, where they can just hear that, and then where we model and say, right. you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty bummed out today. Well, why? And where appropriate, right. you tell them. Yeah. You tell yeah. them where you're ticked off and what wasn't fair and why, and then they get to watch you go through the process and realize, hmm, but it doesn't, doesn't have to ruin your life. I'm not going to give the power to people and things out there to ruin my life. Boy. Great comment. People, I know in radio you can't underline a sentence, but we need to underline that sentence and, and live by it. We're talking about these different stones, and obviously they're going to have to get the book to get all five stones. <laughs> you have another stone that says your children need to know that work is a calling, 
not a job. How do you help your kids understand that? Because a lot of kids are just thinking that's a job. But you're talking about calling, and that's really talking about the theme where we want our kids to stand out in the crowd. I think it's really important that we don't get so pragmatic. I think part of the American culture, and especially evangelical American culture, is un unconsciously very much about success. And so success is one of two things. Well, we really want you to be happy. So do whatever you want, honey. Just whatever you want to be. You've changed your major 11 times. It's okay. We, we, can, we have money coming out our ears for seven years of college to get that four-year degree. We just want you to be happy. Or it's, look, hon, don't do that. I mean, you'll never make any money that way. And, and so success is either monetary or it's your personal happiness. See, I think that paradigm sends them in bad directions. I'm not trying to figure out how to make you happy. God made you. You have gifts. You have passions. Uh, you have direction. You have purpose. And you know what? You need to find, you know, instead of what are you going to do for a living, you need to figure out what I what what do I got to do, and then figure out how to make a living doing it. Right. And that's totally different. So you help them learn what are their spiritual gifts. You help them learn. You know, you're good at this. You help them learn to avoid the peer pressure of, gosh, I don't want to do that because I wouldn't make any money. Well, you know, there's a lot of people that are making a lot of money, not very happy in their job, or, you know, vice versa. So I think it's that that old Latin term for vocation is calling. Mm. What is God's call upon your life? And then realize you, know, that's, you bump against a lot of walls, you open doors, and, and you're patient with them so they know, here's what I'm for. I want you to discover who you are and what God made you to do. And by the way, that is success. Mm. That's a great definition from Chip Ingram here on the Homeward Broadcast. He's Dr. Jim Burns' guest. We've been talking about raising positive kids in a negative world, and that uh, concludes part two of this two-part conversation. By the way, we stream audio at homeward.com. We're podcasting through iTunes. But if you'd like a copy of the full-length audio CD of the program you just heard, uh, we encourage you to drop us a line. Include a gift of any amount when you write to Homeward, Post Office Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, where the swallows go, the zip code 92693. And Jim, as we've been talking, about uh, raising positive kids in a negative world and uh, the 10 building blocks for a solid family, that homeward guide to parenting. Talk about why there is no magic bullet, if you will. You just have to try things out. There are certain things we probably do, and that's kind of it. I mean, people look for this magic wand, and it sort of doesn't happen. And I always say, when I'm speaking to families, a sinner marries another sinner, and then they have sinnerlings. <laughs> yeah. And so we're going to bump into each other. But for me personally, and this book is a very personal book, the 10 Building Blocks book, when I learn to express awe, affection, warmth, and encouragement with my kids, when I learn to discipline with consistency and not wimp out at times, and I'm not talking about being harsh, I'm talking about being consistent with expressed expectations. When I begin to try to ruthlessly eliminate the stress in our home, when I focus on the fact that as a parent, I am the one who's building morals and values. I mean, those are important issues. And I, you know, I think time is such a precious commodity in the family right now. So if you're overcommitted, well, then you're going to be underconnected. So dump out of some projects and commitments for this season and spend some quality time with the family. You know, parents are the ones who have to take the lead in this. Boy, that is a great reminder. I heard one pastor describe it this way. He said, hey, Dad, you're the one who controls the uh, the temperature there. Uh, the, the, make sure that you're the one who sets the tone. And then, uh, Mom, you got your control on the thermostat too. So keep control of the tone at home and mom and dad work together if you're both married 
If it's a co-parenting situation, make sure that you're both on the same page regarding uh, the way you raise your kids because uh, they're going to look at that uh, consistency or inconsistency and uh, they're going to take their cues directly from you. Thanks for remembering that Homeward is here to equip you with the tools that you need to have a more effective parenting season and raise positive kids in a negative world. And if you could stand with us financially here as we near the end of the year, we would love to hear from you a gift of 50 or 100 even $200 right now goes a long way toward helping to support this ministry. You can send your gift through the mail to P.O. Box 1600, San Juan Capistrano, California, the zip code 92693. And now for Dr. Jim Burns, our engineer Ben Camp, and the rest of the staff, I'm Roger Marsh. Thanks so much for listening. Be sure to join us again next time right here for another edition of Homeward. Homeward with Jim Burns is a production of the Homeward Center for Youth and Family at Azusa Pacific University.